At this time, <clears throat> let us turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter, uh, chapter 10, from verse 39, so that uh, we would uh, understand the context as we go ahead and listen to the word of God. And as I have titled this message, it is Abraham, a man who trusted God. Abraham, a man who trusted God. And here, carefully, as I read from Hebrews chapter 10, from verse 39. And this is how the chapter ends. He says here, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We see here that the author is encouraging is recipients and the tempted believers, the prone to wander away believers here, that we do not belong to those who shrink back. And although there is the assurance of faith, he still cautions here that if you shrink back from your faith in God, you will be destroyed. And he gives a warning here. But also an encouragement here, he says that, but we belong to those who have faith and preserve a, their souls. Now I'm telling you brothers based on this. And if you have been serious in your Christian life. If you have been serious. If you are not serious it doesn't make sense. But if you are serious in your Christian life. You understand that it is a hard thing to persevere in your faith. And your faith is often shaken many times in your Christian living. And... Uh, what a hard thing it is. And it is no joke when Paul said that, fight a good fight of faith. Which means, preserve your souls by persevering in your faith. Because the enemy's greatest, greatest attack will be on your faith. Because if your faith is ruined, your life is ruined. So you need to understand that your faith is a precious tool and factor and weapon of Christian living. And here we see that the author is telling to persevere in faith. And in order to encourage with some good examples, he comes to chapter 11 verse 1. And you know that in, uh, when he wrote the letter, there was no chapter 11 and chapter 10. He continues to tell them, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then he says, For by it... The people of old received their, condom, uh, their commendation. So what he says here is that these were the people who persevered in their faith and preserved their souls. They did not shrink back because of life's hard circumstances. And among them, he begins with Abel and then Enoch and then Noah and now we will see Abraham. And we see his life in chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And you need to understand that we are not touching every aspect of Abraham, but only what the author of Hebrews mentions in this passage. We see that in his life, great lessons. And I believe that, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you that, that these are not simple life history that we are looking at. These are written for us, for our encouragement, for our endurance, 
so that we would look into these giants of faith so that we would apply them and grow in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that about Abraham is a story in detail chronicled in Genesis chapter 12 till verse 25. And we see what a great man of faith he was. After Noah's flood, Abraham descended from Shem, who was Noah's son, and became the progenitor of the Israelite nation, the father of the nation of Israel. And interestingly, when you read so many giants of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham receives more verses than any other person in chapter 11. More is spoken about him. Why? Because he was known as a man of great faith. In fact, in Romans chapter 4 verse 11, it says that he was the father of all who believe. He is the father of all who believe. He was such a man of faith. There are three factors, three lessons that I would like to bring to you this morning from chapter 11. And the first thing that I would like to share with you is that when you look at Abrahamic faith, you learn that faith is obedient to God's call. Faith is obedient to God's call. We see that in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. What an astounding story that we see. And these are not light words, people. When the Bible says that God called him out to a place and he just went out not knowing where he was going. We see that even it is chronicled in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. We see that in detail. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now we see here that before God called Abraham, he lived in Ur of the Chaldees. Today it is Iraq. Iraq was the birthplace of Abraham. And he descended from a line of idolaters. Joshua chapter 24 mentions that he was a worshipper of idols. And he was about 70 years old when God called him out of his homeland. You know, when I was thinking about Abraham's call and how he was obedient to God's call, I was thinking about what are the challenges he faced when God called him. And let me tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, it is not an easy thing to obey God. It is not a simple lifestyle, comfortable life to obey God. In fact, when God calls you, he calls you to face hard times. And we see that in Abraham's life. Some of the things when I was thinking about is, when God called him, he told him to leave his father's house. And in the culture that he lived in, families were closely knit together. 
the brothers and father and mother and their siblings they were all knit together and to leave his father's house and relatives which was a close knit community was not an easy thing in fact martin luther says that it was hard to leave his native land which it is natural for us to love indeed love for the fatherland is numbered among the greatest virtues of the heathen love for the relatives love for the family members was the greatest virtue of the heathen they cannot live normally but abraham left because he wanted to be obedient to god and you know that whenever we want to live we also we all want to have a very clear plan right when are we leaving when we plan a travel we plan very clearly where do we go and when are we leaving what things we have to take and all these things we are very much particularly concerned about right but here we see that the bible says that he left not knowing where he was going will he ever plan if you ask you know where are you going i don't know where i'm going <laughs> it sounds strange that you don't know where you are going and abraham maybe this father and his relatives might have asked him hey abraham where are you going what answer must he have given to the father's relatives i don't know god just called me and i am going was it a simple thing to just leave what humiliation must he have faced what crazy thoughts he must have got that i don't know where am i going there is no five year plan 10 year plan for him it was a life of faith in god and if you look his lifestyle carefully he was a nomad he had no permanent house because of his obedience to god's word he lived in tents throughout his life and you know people what a dangerous thing it was for him to go as a foreigner in a foreign land along with his beautiful wife many of us don't understand that it was such a risky step that he had taken putting the whole family in trouble in fact you know that in genesis chapter 12 right after that in genesis chapter 12 initially when god told him you leave your father's land and go to the country that i am show, uh, showing you and right after that when he goes his wife falls into the eyes of pharaoh and what did he do he took her in fact he was so scared and i mean it was so risky thing to walk along with a beautiful wife followed in a foreign land with no security with no army and they are nomads over there and he fell and his wife fell into the eyes of pharaoh and he just took her in fact he tells his wife that you don't tell that i am your husband because they will kill me and they will take you i mean do you see that what kind of a husband he was he didn't provide a security for his wife you know for one thing it is more important for him to obey god than think about his family security brothers and sisters sometimes you know we are so preoccupied with the security of our family that we neglect to obey what god has spoken to us and here we see a man who left his father's house who took his beautiful wife in a land where there was no security why because he wanted 
to honor God. For him, God was more important than his father's family. For him, God was more important than his wife and any person in his life. And that is why he is known as a man of great faith. He obeyed God's call at any cost. Even at the time of life and death, he knew that God has called him and he needed to simply obey him. What a great man of faith he was who didn't allow his personal security and family security to impede his obedience to God's call. And what a great encouragement that we see when we see his life. I was thinking about how does his life encourage us, our own lives. And I'm telling you, brothers, if I don't know whether I would be doing what God has called to Abraham. And I believe that many of us here, if God tells the same thing, what he has spoken to Abraham, I don't think so many of us obey here. Because we want a comfortable life if you want to obey God. What if God tells one of us and say, hey, go to Pakistan and I'll give you the land of Pakistan. And you know that if you go there and if you say I'm a Christian, your life is at stake. In fact, recently I received a video, a brother sent me that how security was with him when he was attending a church with guns in Pakistan. And you are called to go with your family there. What do you think we will be doing there? We must be thinking that, no, 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 it is not God, maybe. Maybe it's my own pigment of imagination or something like that. It's very hard for us because we are used to comforts of life, not to suffer and take risks for the glory of God. What applications that we can learn from him? The first application I want to tell you is this, is that God's call to salvation in spite of facing consequences from it. Now, I'm telling you, many of us are coming from a Christian family. It is not a problem. But there are people who are called to salvation and they had to face suffering because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe because of their from, uh, rejection from caste or rejection from their class or rejection from their family because they have to obey God. And Bible says here, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Do you see here that? If God calls you to be a Christian, and if you suffer for being a Christian, if you believe in Christ and face persecution from your family members because you are a Christian, Bible says that it is a blessed thing. Glorify God. Look at Abraham. He obeyed God's call at any cost because of his faith in God. And it is very hard for us to call ourselves as a Christian in the workplace sometimes, isn't it? When you say you are a Christian, you may have to face some rejection. When you don't compromise with the sinful things happening in your life, there are some persecutions that you have to face. But the Bible says that, to look into the life of Abraham and be encouraged and not compromise with faith. The other application that I was also thinking about, God's call, how are we obedient? One of the greatest fears of us to obey God's call and that is to preach the gospel. What is the number one reason for us to be afraid to preach the gospel? What is it? What is the number one reason? Very good. 
rejection fear of rejection how many of us look at abraham's life and i faith in god that even if i have to face rejection i obey god because faith obeys god and we see here when we i think these people also were greatly encouraged uh, as they walked in the footsteps of uh, abraham the disciples of the lord jesus we see in acts chapter 5 verse 40 to 41 and when they had called in the apostles they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of the lord jesus and let them go none of us ever beat us right for preaching the gospel none of us ever beat us they might have threatened us they might have rejected us but none of us beat us but here we see that they were beaten publicly humiliated and you know what the bible says then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name wow brothers if we say that we have faith in god do we obey god's call to preach the gospel in spite of the rejection that we have to face or are we so preoccupied with our own comforts and i honestly tell that many times i have seen that i was preoccupied with my reputation preoccupied with my comforts preoccupied with the fear of people will reject me but it is a great encouragement for me to look at abraham's life and say that i want to be like abraham it doesn't matter how people treat me and look at me when i preach the gospel but i obey the call of god to preach the gospel of the lord jesus christ and i encourage you brothers and sisters this morning let us be obedient to god's call even if it calls for us to suffer for obeying him just as abraham obeyed and suffered and put his family and everyone in trouble as his obedience to god's word and there is one more application that i want to tell you because as i was thinking about this and some of you may be um, you know uh, appointed or led by god it to missions and i'm telling you these days it is very difficult for many people to be obedient to god's call to missions even to become a pastor you know why because of personal security personal security has become so predominant in a person's life that people today are not obedient to god in missions and in pastoring we see that in acts chapter 26 verse 19 i love what paul says here therefore king agrippa i was not disobedient to the heavenly vision just as abraham was not disobedient to god's call we see here paul was not disobedient to god's heavenly vision and what happened as a result because he obeyed verse 21 says that for this reason the jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me brothers i'm telling you that if you and i walk in obedience to god's word and if you and i submit to god's leading you and i have to face very great suffering honestly and some of us are not willing to take it live a easy cozy lukewarm life because there is suffering but what we need to understand is that blessed are those who suffer for christ sake for god's glory for their obedience to the authority of the word of god recently i was uh, reading an article of nine marks and i even put that uh, 
in the intensive group, cautioning them, man, don't think that missions or pastoring is an easy, easy job. And, uh, and this is how it goes in that it says that pastoral ministry is spiritually demanding. It is emotionally demanding. It is physically demanding. It subjects a man and his family to extraordinary burdens and pressures. So a man should have a sober and informed commitment to the work of ministry before he seeks, a, seeks to pastor a church. It's very hard life. Your life, your family life. And some of us may not be willing to take that risk. But look at Abraham. Look at Abraham. How he took his life and his entire family and put at risk because he wanted to obey God. It is not your personal security and family comforts that come first. It is obedience to God's word. And that is what we see how Abraham honored God. And when I think about Abraham, I think about one of the great missionaries of our time. I, I, again, I'm telling you, you don't find such men of God these days. Like people like William Carey, who obeyed God's call and came to India in 1793. You know what he did? Because of his choice to come to India, he ruined his family. If you look into his life, he buried two of his four young children before his second anniversary. In fact, his wife was so angry that he killed the children and she went into mental depression. So depressed she was that she became such a troublemaker and a thorn in his flesh. And the remainder of his life after that, after he lost his two sons, the remainder of his life was miserable because his wife suffered such acute depression that she suffered delusions, accusing Carry of adultery and even threatening him with his with knife. She wanted to even kill him because of you brought us to India and you see what is happening for us. Many supporting churches discontinued their offerings, forcing Kerry to work in a factory to sustain his family. Wow, what great obedience. His early translations went up in smoke as a fire destroyed the printing shop. His old translation work was ruined because of the fire. But William Carey continued to obey the Lord despite his family trouble, despite his health hazards, and despite financial crisis, despite the people betraying him and leaving him. He just went ahead and became the father of modern missions whose impact on Christianity and society is incalculable. If you want to see... What Kerry did, you need to read my book, uh, Christ, Caste, and Church. And I detailed the mention from Vishal Mangalwari's book, how great his accomplishments were. And what I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, God will honor you. When you take the risk and obey him, God will reward you. When you take the risk and obey him, and I tell you that, he will never let us down if you take risk for him. Obedience is a risk. Submission is a risk and God will never ever let us down. If you let God down because of your personal security and comforts of life, and I'm telling you that, you will definitely face letting down in your own life. God is not a debtor to anyone. God honored Abraham and we know what he did to him 
and his descendants and to the rest of the generation only because of one man's obedience to God's call. I want to encourage you, don't let your personal and family security and suffering scare you away from obeying God's call. May we all be willing to suffer to obey the call of God. The second thing that we learn from Abraham's life is not just that faith obeys God's call at any cost. The second thing that we learn is that faith believes in God's promises. In fact, if you don't believe in God's promises, Abraham wouldn't have taken that risk. And many of us, if you are not taking it, it's because we don't believe in the promises of God. Faith believes in God's promises. Now, the greatest promise that God gives to Abraham is that he will bless him with a child. But you need to understand that Abraham and Sarah always did not have great faith. In fact, you see that they initially struggled to have faith in God. You see, especially in Genesis chapter 17, verse 17, when God told him that he will bless him with uh, his own son, it says here that 1717, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Lord, what are you kidding? It is impossible. I am past the age. I am 100 years and my wife is 90 years. I have never heard any person at my age becoming parents. And then not even Abraham laughed. The Bible says that in Genesis chapter 18 verse 12, even when God told Sarah, even Sarah laughed. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. So when I'm talking about faith, it's not that you will never struggle with unbelief. There may be times that you may struggle with unbelief, especially initially. Abraham struggled. Sarah struggled. But later you see that they were strengthened in their faith and they trusted in the promises of God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 11 to 12 testifies about Sarah. Women, here is a great encouragement to you about how you need to also become women of faith. Women who trust in God's promises like Sarah. It says here in verse 11, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And observe the words, she considered him faithful who had promised. You know what precedes faith? What precedes faith in God's promise? Faith in God's faithfulness. All those who don't believe and have faith in God's promise... They don't believe in God's faithfulness. Of course, intellectually they may say that, ah, I believe it. But no, if we really believe in the faithfulness of God, we believe in the promises of God. If we don't believe in the promises of God, it's because we don't believe in the faithfulness of God. Later we see how she trusted God's faithfulness 
and he who promised is faithful. Verse 12 says, Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. God honored the faith of Sarah and Abraham in his promises. And he brought out descendants that were as numerous as stars in the heaven and the grain of sand in the seashore. So many people came out because of Abraham's and Sarah's faith in God's promises. We also see in Romans 4.18. Please turn to Romans 4.18, which gives very strong encouragement about Abraham's faith in line with what Hebrews chapter 11 also testifies. I, I turn to this because there are some strong words and phrases mentioned about Abraham's faith, which should really encourage us to imitate Romans chapter 4 verse 18 you see here what it says when God promised him children and descendants and to make him the father of many nations it says in verse 18 in hope Abraham believed against hope now it sounds very crazy right he had hope against hope what is hope against hope he has hope that he will become a father of many nations against the hope of having no children he believed that yes I believe God said it and they will do it. That he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. In verse 19, I love that. He did not weaken in faith. Brothers and sisters, what about our faith? Do we weaken in our faith or like Abraham, he did not weaken in faith? When he considered his own body, which was as good as then, no way humanly possible for him to become a father since he was about a hundred years old. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, now here is another strong word, no unbelief made him waver considering the promises of God. Waf, no unbelief shook him considering the promises of God. And you see, instead, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. People, you see that? He says that he grew strong in his faith. He trusted God more and more. He kept growing and never weakening. Sadly, some of us grow weak in our faith rather than become strong. But Abraham, we see that he grew strong in faith rather than weakening. And in this way, he gave glory to God. Now here is what we need to understand, brothers and sisters. God is greatly glorified when people greatly believe in him. God is never glorified among the people. They may sing songs, they may pray, they may read the Bible, they may do all the religious activities, but if they don't believe in the faithfulness and the promises of God, God is never glorified. In fact, he is tremendously grieved because of their lack of unbelief, a lack of faith in God. And it says here, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And verse 21, shall we all read this together? How beautifully it is inscribed here. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Can it be said about us? Vinit, fully convinced that God is able to do what he has promised. Spurti, fully convinced that God is able to do what he has promised. Can it be said about each one of us here? 
that when Stephen, when Swapna, when Banu, when Chaitu, when Imalini believe, they fully get convinced that God is able to do what he has promised. That is what faith is, people. Shall we all read this together? Faith is being fully convinced that God is able to do what he has promised. Faith is being fully convinced that God is able to do what he has promised. Now, you know what is the craziest thing now? Now, one craziest thing that we find about Abraham is that when he was about to become a father, his body was as dead and his uh, wife's womb was completely dead. There was no way of they becoming parents, but they believed in the promise of God that he is able to do what he has promised. You know the second craziest thing about Abraham? which is unthinkable, unimaginable, and hardly found among the believers today. It is written in verse 17. Right? God blessed him with the son, of, God blessed him with the son Isaac. And God has really given grace and they became parents. So praise God, Abraham was very much enjoying. But then one day God tells Abraham in order to test him, and he tells him that, you need to sacrifice your son, Isaac. Now, what about the promise of God that he will bless Isaac and out of him bring out many descendants? What about all the promise that God has given? I will make you the father of many nations and I will do this and do that. What about all these things? You know what the Bible says in verse 17? Hebrews 11 verse 17. He still trusted God even when God called him to offer his son as a sacrifice. You know what was his faith? Crazy man. You read what it says here. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And you see verse 19, he says, he considered that God was Able even to raise him from the dead. Do you hear that? He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. What did he do actually? He believed that God has promised that he will give him the son Isaac. And God did give him. So now God is offering up sacrifice. But he also knows that God told that through Isaac his offspring shall be blessed. But if I offer up Isaac, then what is the hope? But he knew that God is faithful. Even if I offer him sacrifice and kill him on the altar, God is able to again raise him from the dead and bring an offering out of him. Wow. What a man of faith he was. No wonder he was called God's friend. No wonder God was so pleased with him that he made him the father of many nations. No wonder that even today, God honored him in telling that those who believe in Christ Jesus, that he died for our sins and rose from the dead, they will also become spiritual children of Abraham. Do you understand, my dear brothers and sisters, how God honors those who have faith in him? And not look at what is outside. We always want to believe God based on what we see. But here we see that there is nothing, no great evidence here. But still he trusted 
and God brought out a great nation out of him. George Muller says that he was also a crazy man and he was known as a man of crazy faith in God. It said about George Muller, George Muller said that faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. People, if you believe in the great God, test his greatness by taking risks. <laughs> And it says here that faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. If you live and make decisions based on the comforts, there is no glory of God. Is telling that faith begins where man's power ends. Faith begins where man's power ends. We should think about, dear brothers and sisters, do we believe in God's promises and live accordingly? We are not here just to get entertained by listening about Abraham. Wow, wow, what a great man of faith he was. The question is, what about you and me? The challenge is, what kind of a life are we living in this world? We see here that a man who trusted God's promises and how God honored him, do we live such a life of obedience and trust in God's promises? You know, few such promises that I see in the very book of Hebrews is, for example, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16. Do we really believe this promise? It says here that, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And verse 16 says that, Let us then with confidence, the one who died for our sins and rose from the dead, he sympathizes with us. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do we run to God in our weaknesses? Do we run to God in our fears fully convinced? Fully convinced rather than living in anxiety, stress, pressure, going to God and believing that, Lord, I know that you are able to give me grace and mercy in times of my need. Do we trust in the promises of God? If God doesn't give you mercy and grace in time of your need, he's not faithful, right? Is he faithful? He's not faithful. But Bible says that he's faithful. Run to him. And he will give us grace. There is no weakness. There is no need that God cannot meet and help. I'm not telling wants. I'm not talking about wild desires. Needs. There is no need and no weakness that God cannot help us with. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who made the heavens and the earth. And there is nothing impossible with him. The Bible tells and that is what he spoke to Sarah and God is reminding us this morning, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me? The problem is not with the weakness of the circumstances. The problem is with the weakness of our faiths. And that's where we have to change. It says here even in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, you see all of us... Uh, now, people, what we need to understand is that if you ask any person, anyone who loves money, none of us raising a hand here because we are super spiritual. None of us raise. But our lives revolve around money. We need to understand. And that is why the Bible says here in Hebrews 13, 5, it says that keep your life from the love of money. And you know what it says? And be content with what you have. For he has said, 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you see a promise here? A lot of people put their, you know, there is a placard. They put there, I will never leave you nor forsake you and they love money and they are not content with what they have. It is not in that context it is said. It is a context of security. Don't find your security in money. Don't find your security in your job. Don't find your security in yourself. It says that God is your security. God is your strength. God is your fortress. And he says here that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am your sufficiency. I am your security. I will meet your need and take care of your need. Do you believe in me and obey me? Hebrews 10.35 We see there is another promise in Hebrews and the promises of great eternal inheritance, it says, therefore, by looking at the temporal suffering, by looking at the hard circumstances, is telling to the believers here, and today he is speaking to us through his word. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. Endure, he's telling, you know what he's telling? Endure hard times in life. Don't be a coward. Don't be a backslider. Life is hard. Accept it. Life is full of suffering. Accept it. What you need is not deliverance but endurance. Did he say here? You need to have deliverance. He doesn't say. He said that you have need of endurance. So that and how can you really live? That will be my next point. But what he says is so that when you have done the will of God. What is the will of God? Endure suffering. (laughs) Endure Hard times. Endure difficulties. After you have done the will of God, what will you receive? You may receive what is promised. People, you will only endure suffering when you trust the promises of God like Abraham. Why did Abraham take that great risk of leaving his country, his own family? Why did Abraham put his wife in trouble? Why did Abraham take all these things? Because he trusted in the promises of God. The final thing that we learn from the life of Abraham is this. Faith focuses on eternity. Faith obeys God's call at any cost. Faith trusts in God's promises. And faith focuses on eternity. In fact, promises and all these things doesn't work if focus is not on eternity. That is exactly what the author of Hebrews begins with in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 when he says, Now, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He is speaking about eternity. You trust that God has given you eternal inheritance. You are not seeing it. You are not experiencing it now. And he says that have faith and endure until that promise is going to be fulfilled. Because when God promised Abraham that I will make you the father of many nations and I will give you the promised land, he didn't see any of them. But he trusted and lived as if he has already received it. And God honored him. And you see about what, Abraham, what is said about Abraham in chapter 11 verse 9. It says here, by faith, Abraham went to live in the land of promise. Now you need to understand when it says land of the promise, it was not his at that time. <laughs> he was a foreigner. God told him that I will give you, but he lived as a stranger. I think when he saw all the enemies and all the land, he must, he must have thought about, Lord, are you really serious that you will give me this land? But he lived in obedience to God and he trusted as in a foreign land. It was his based on God's promise, but it was not still his. 
at that particular time it was still a foreign land and how did he live there he lived in tents as a nomad going from one place to another plucking the tent and and posting it in another place throughout his life living in tents with Isaac and Jacob heirs with him of the same promise even Isaac didn't enjoy that luxury of owning that land Jacob didn't enjoy that luxury of owning that land you know one thing people which is very interesting in the entire lifetime of Abraham the only thing that he possessed that was his own was the cave of Machpelah and he and he bought it to bury his wife Sarah when she died that was the only thing that he owned that God told that I will give you the entire promised land he never owned it you know when they owned after more than 400 years after 400 years is 400 years a normal time four centuries it is after that his offspring finally owned the land that god has promised him but abraham trusted even he didn't experience people let me tell you that sometimes you know when god calls you to have faith in him you may not experience any of the luxury but future generations of your family may experience it you may not see anything that god will be doing through you but your future generation may experience if you are obedient to god's call to god's word god will bless from generation to generations abraham is a great example of that and i can see many today when i mean i see some of the christian families and uh, some of the christian ministries that i've seen they they enjoy the fruit of what their great great grandfathers have really exercised their faith they suffered they trusted they gone through hard times and today they enjoy the promised land one man's obedience have no idea what god will do i want to really see that how my future generations through my sons and three sons and see what i may be their great great grandfather and they may not be seeing but i would be having but i love to see having the luxury and the privilege of what abraham enjoyed that my family is the first generation of christians and we had gone through a lot of hard times but i believe that god will honor it and in the future god will glorify his name it took 400 years for abraham's family to conquer the land and more than 2000 years for him to become the father of many nations <laughs> two millenniums wow then he became the father of many nations through the work of christ on the cross but do you see people how god is faithful so when god promises it doesn't mean now and here it may also be sometime in the future but you know how abraham lived his life when he lived in tents and when he lived in the promised land in the foreign land it says in verse 9 hear this what it says hebrews chapter 11 verse 9 by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents with isaac and jacob heirs with him of the same promise and verse 10 you see for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is gone now what do you understand when he lived his life he lived with eternal perspective 
Although God promised him the promised land, his, his, his eyes were not on the promised land. The Bible says that he was looking forward to a city that has foundations. And I think it makes sense when the Bible says that has foundations because he lived in tents that has no foundations. He was a nomad. But he was looking forward to the city that has no foundation. And the looking forward, if you look at Greek, it is very intensive in force. It means that he was absolutely confident, earnestly longing to enter into the city of God. As he lived his earthly life here. Because he knew that, that is the designer. The designer and the builder is not Aparna constructions. It is not Janapriya constructions. It is God himself. The new heavens and the new earth and the new city that God will be doing is amazing, incomparably greater, supreme than what we see the construction here because that designer and builder is God. Don't you think people will need to crave to get that? You should long to enter into that city. Although God has promised the land to Abraham Canaan, his ultimate focus was on the city of God. Brothers and sisters, you know what we should learn here? Although there are some earthly promises God has given us here, isn't it? He provides us our daily bread. He provides us and takes care of us. Although there are some earthly promises God gives us, my dear brothers and sisters, this is where prosperity gospel has gone wrong. That they only focus on earthly prosperity and promises, losing the sight of eternal perspective. Even if Abraham was given the earthly prosperity, his eyes was on eternal dwelling with God. So God might have promised many promises to us. Please don't settle with those promises and long for the ultimate promise of eternal inheritance that God has promised for us because that is the ultimate supreme promise of God which is nothing comparable to what the promises that we enjoy here. And not only about Abraham, you know, a couple of people were added, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, and follow through what it says here. Hebrews 11, 13, it says, These all died in faith. They all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Not having received the things promised. And having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire, long for a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. What do we see here? We see that like this great stalwarts of faith like Abraham, we are called to live by faith with eternal perspective. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you this morning. Don't let your earthly responsibilities and pressures fog your mind. Blur your eternal perspective. Awaken this morning. Arise this morning. Open your eyes and see that this is not your home. We are called to live with eternal perspective. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if you don't live your life every day with eternal perspective, your life will be miserable here. 
Because all that conquers your mind, all that dominates your mind is only earthly, earthly worries, anxieties, responsibilities. These people lived such a strong life in their hard times only because they lived with eternal perspective. You lose it, you lose your peace here. You lose your joy here. You lose your stability here. And you will be completely wandering and struggling and live an unstable life. Like Abraham, we are called to live as strangers and sojourners in the world. You see what it says. They acknowledge that they were strangers and sojourners. Brothers and sisters, let us know that our home is not here. As the song goes, I think we sang, the last Sunday we sang the song, right? The world is not our home. Oh Lord, I'm, I'm longing for the eternal home. Brothers and sisters, do we really consider that we are strangers and aliens here? Do we really long for our eternal home? Like Abraham, we are called to endure challenges in this earthly life by trusting in God's promises. Brothers, I'm telling you, sisters, I'm telling you, life may become even harder as you go ahead. Harder as you go ahead. But if we trust in the promises of God, if we live with eternal perspective, if we cling on to the promises of God, we will live a life of victory. Like Abraham, we are called to await our final inheritance. Brothers and sisters, we are not yet home. We are not yet home. And what a joy it will be when we do go to that home. But that home is only possible for those who repent and believe in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and are devoted to him. And if anyone here who did not repent and believe in the death and the resurrection of Christ genuinely, not superficially, this home is not yours but eternal hell. And I call you today to genuinely repent and trust in him. And all those who had faith in the Lord Jesus in his salvation, let me tell you, faith treads on earth with eye on heaven. Faith treads on earth with eye on heaven. Kent Hughes gives a very good uh, warning here, a very good Bible expositor. He says that it is a dangerous thing when a Christian begins to feel permanently settled in this world. It is a dangerous thing to feel at home here. It's a dangerous thing. And I praise God for sufferings. You know why? So that it reminds us, man, don't long for here, but long for an eternal home. I'm reminded of what in Philippians 3.20 says, shall we all read this together and, and be joyful and not just, as Prem said, that parroted, but really Come out from our hearts and, and meaningfully and wholeheartedly say this along with Paul. Philippians 3, 20 to 21. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That is how Abraham lived. He lived as alien and sojourner in this world with great longing that my citizenship is in heaven. I am expecting city from God. And we are even called to await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell two illustrations as I close this. You know, some of us, there are two illustrations I want to give you. One is on endurance and also on hard work. Because some people may be thinking, because in Thessalonians that was a problem. Uh, because Jesus is coming soon, People have become lazy. They were not hard workers. 
Okay, some of them even stop working because of which Paul said that because Christ comes, you need not stop working. In fact, he says that if anyone doesn't work, he's not worthy to eat. We need to work hard and earn our living. It doesn't mean that if we live with eternal perspective, we live an irresponsible life here. For example, I was thinking about a very good writer, Sue Bolin. She is a very good Christian writer for Probe Ministries. And uh, this is what she said. You listen to this. What she said is how her life changed after looking at a woman. Years ago, my view of living with an eternal perspective was shaped by a lady who decided to start college in her 70s. In her 70 years of age, she started a college. When they asked her why, would do, why she would do such a thing, when her life was basically over. It's over. She is an end. Why? She said, oh no. It is not over. I am preparing for the next part of my life in heaven. The more equipped I get on earth, the more ready I will be for the Lord has for me on the other side. She said that if I am going to heaven and that's where God is going to give me more responsibilities, how much more responsible I should be here on earth and work hard and prepare myself for the next home, for the eternal home. So it doesn't mean that we live with an eternal perspective. It doesn't mean that we are lazy, we are irresponsible, we just wait for Jesus to come and we are not excellent in our workplace, not responsible in our family and whatever gifts that God has given to us. In fact, we should be more diligent so that we are prepared for the coming kingdom. Remember Jesus said to him, if he is faithful in few things, he will be given more. If we are diligent here, disciplined here, hardworking here, fruit-bearing here, God will give us great responsibilities in the coming kingdom. So live with an eternal perspective, but also be diligent, hardworking, disciplined, fruit-bearing Christian in this present world. And I want to tell another illustration from Joni Erickson Tadam, who is a wonderful speaker, writer, and in her book, Heaven, Your Real Home, and uh, many of you know that she suffered uh, a great uh, diving injury, 17 years, and completely quadriplegic. And now she is 73 years, which means more than 53 years, more than 50 years, she is confined to wheelchair, only from her neck to the toe. But the amount of accomplishments she has made, if you read her biography and the amount of books she has read, the amount of discipling she has done, the amount of outpouring. Do you see people, the problem is not with your physical stability, it is with faith. If your faith is weak, even if your body is strong, you will still accomplish nothing. But if your faith is strong, even if you, all things are a failure, even your body, your circumstances, anything is weak, you will still prevail. Don't blame circumstances. Take the responsibility for lack of faith. And she says here, I still can hardly believe it. I with shriveled bent fingers, atrophied muscles, nulls, knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope this gives someone spinal cord injured like me? Or someone who is cerebral palsied, brain injured, or who has multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope this gives someone who is manic depressive. No other religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies, hearts and minds. Only in the gospel of Jesus Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. Only in the gospel of Christ, hurting people find incredible hope. 
what does it show us she lived her life of suffering on earth throughout her life with eternal perspective that's what faith is faith lives with eternal perspective i'm telling you brothers if you lose that there is a high possibility for you to shrink back and are destroyed and there are a lot of temptations in this world which are luring especially caution the young people here and the old alike guard your faith above everything it is so important so finally we see that summary is that faith is obedient to god's call faith believes in god's promises and faith focuses on eternity shall we all rise on our feet and uh, pray at this time encourage you brothers and sisters to examine our hearts this is not the time just to expect the word amen this is a time for us to look into our hearts and allow the spirit of god to expose our hearts condition are we obedient to god's call as a christian in the gospel even if it means for missions are we trusting in god's promises are we living with eternal perspective if not come to the lord that he may give us mercy and grace that we may find help in our weakest and needy times and ask him lord give me thy grace to grow faith to grow stronger in my faith and not be weakened in my faith in you not look for, for, for personal security or family comforts lord may i look for obedience 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 heavenly father how far we stand when it comes to the life of faith of abraham oh what a great man of faith he was we still can't imagine can man have such a faith like him is it really possible yes it is he was a man of flesh and blood like us he was not a superhuman he was a mere ordinary man like this like us if there is anything that he has become it is because of his faith in you which led him to obedience which led him to trust in your promises which led him to live with eternal perspective and lord as we stand on our feet and think about abraham we feel ashamed oh lord of our lack of faith how we are so preoccupied with our personal security family comforts future security we all want to lot security 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 so that we can take a step of obedience rather than taking risks in our life to obey you to glorify you and to experience your extraordinary guidance and providence in our lives o oh lord we pray that you forgive us o oh lord and increase our faith in you we thank you for your son jesus through whom we can have greater faith in you and we ask you that you please to honor us as we trust in you for all those who honor you by trusting in you you will greatly honor them and we thank you for your great promise in the name of our lord jesus we pray with thanksgiving thank you for listening to the message we believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart steven david also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforourage.com
blogspot.com. You may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com. I repeat, c-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-d-a-v-i-d at gmail.com. Grace and peace be to you.